0: May be seated in the house of God. My youngest just turned one this week, Titus. And I just want to tell you, man, when I just pray and I think about what God can do in his life, it's just amazing to use that Holy Ghost imagination. But I know God could even go beyond my imagination. Oh man, I remember what it was like to be single. I know a lot of you here are just single, ready to mingle. Some of y'all hitting on each other, man, and then you get your heart broke. Man, I know what that feels like. Before I found Nancy, I was the heartbreaker, and I was the heartbroken. I was both, man. I remember one time at an outreach of all places, I started pursuing this girl, man, and I started going after her at the outreach, And uh, I didn't get the hint because it came to a point that one of my disciples had to come to me as a pastor at that outreach and say, "Uh, so-and-so wants you to leave her alone? Give her some space. Like, dude, I felt like he was the guy at the bar. Like, hey, dude, back off. The lady said no. No. So I know what it's like. And then, man, I'm telling you, I had some of these young ladies with, like, the future in their eyes coming to me, man. I, I could tell you a story about one you might even know, and it would mess you up. But she came to me one time. We were just hanging out. And she said, you know what? If, if you really, really like me, you got to go talk to Pastor so-and-so, and, then, and then, then we can date. I'm like, girl, I'm just hanging out with you. I don't even like you like that but she put me on blast cuz she thought i was like just cuz i was her friend you know she thought like it was more than friends so listen to me those of you who are single and ready to mingle you may be the heartbroken you might be the heartbreaker but god's got somebody for you amen and those of you already together date your mate dream big dreams with each other i look at even my parents and they've retired and they're they're you know getting close to 50 years of marriage man they still go on date date, date days and date nights are you listening So love each other, dream big, and believe that God can do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's a little extra right there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. If you are new with us, we're glad you're here, and we're going through the book of Matthew chapter by chapter, verse by verse. One of the things that we're going to realize in this chapter is it is power packed with a whole bunch of goodies. It's going to be hard to uh, move from one section to the next. So you're going to get some mini messages today. And first service, you're going to kind of be my guinea pigs, if that's okay, because I'm kind of working this out in my mind. I think I have a pattern of what I can follow for first and second, but you guys got to be patient with me here because there's so many good things. How many of you got a Bible where there's headings before sections? Do you guys have that? So you can kind of see where I'm going today. We're going to talk about greatness in the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about lost sheep. We're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about forgiveness. Let's see how far we can get in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me already in my heart. I know I want to do this with my children in the second service, but because I don't want to make your children feel awkward, I'm going to ask that uh, Rachel would bring up Jovi and little Benji right now and Isaiah. Would you guys come forward real quick? Let's give it up for Rachel. Come on. Did Jovi pass out somewhere? Yeah, bring her up there. See, I would call you guys up on my own, but I I think I might scare you a little bit. Let's give it up for them one more time right here. So let's, let's get the sermon illustration. Let's not miss it. Let's not let this go over our head. Jesus is preaching in a congregation like this with family and children around, and he is then asked, who's the greatest? who's the greatest and instead of pointing to Peter who's walked on water instead of pointing to the people who have done miracles because he's already sent them out to test them to see if they had faith to do miracles he points to the little children around him and children can be anything below bar mitzvah age so think teenage and below let's give it up for Jovi as she comes look at Jovi got that wild hair girl beach hair don't care She's been out at the pool. She's been out just just strutting, man. She's been living the good life. And so the Bible literally says to look at these children right here. Look at them. Take a look at them. And this is our example of the greatest because children have a trust. Look at the trust that she has. Look at how this one just wants to hide behind mama right here. They trust their, their family. Now, are they always quiet? No. Is he using the children as an example for maturity in the sense of how we're going to be great like like teachers and all of that? No. He's showing us that we need to trust God the same way they trust their parents. Let's give it up for Rachel and the crew. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. Can I get some high fives? All right. What's up, Isaiah? Can I get a high five before you run back there? Awesome. There it is. Do you get it? There's two things. Number one, there are great people in the kingdom. Don't miss that. There are great people. Don't, don't think that when Jesus points to the kid, he's brushing off the question. He wants you to be great. He doesn't say, oh, no, 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 you, you know, you're not supposed to be great. Don't worry about it. No, number one, there are great people in the kingdom. That means if there's great, there's weak there's winners there's losers we've talked about this before there's those who have great faith there's those who have little faith so number one you are supposed to know that being great in the kingdom is a great thing to set your heart on do you want to be great on your job I hope so I hope you're not lazy because during the offering message I thought uh, Lauren gave a great example there is nothing worse as a testimony than a lazy Christian worker There's nothing worse than a a Christian who doesn't tip at restaurants. There's nothing worse than a bad Christian neighbor because they, uh, they don't take care of their yard. They don't do those kinds of things that neighbors should do. There's nothing worse than when people don't live up to the name of Christ. So do you want to be great on your job, yes or no? I mean, here's your prosperity message. You want it? I mean, I'm going to give it to you, but do you want it, yes or no? You should want a prosperity message the right way. You should prosper on your job. You should have a heart of greatness in all that you do, a heart of greatness. I want to go to my job and be great. Well, he is telling them it's great to be great in the kingdom of God, and then here's how you do it. Number two, you do it like a child. You do it based on dependence to God. Now, in your job and in your world, greatness may be determined a different kind of way, but I can tell you this. There's nobody anywhere, whether it's a customer in any corporation or a boss, that's going to say to you, humility is not something we want here. Have you ever walked away from an experience with somebody selling you something or somebody on the phone like Comcast? Have you ever walked away and said, those people were too humble? Those people were too nice? Have you ever walked away from buying a car or getting something like at T-Mobile? And you go, you know what? They're just too kind. They're too no, you can never be too humble. You can never be too kind. And so the impression that you're supposed to leave on your job is humility. How much more so in the kingdom of God are we supposed to have that? We are supposed to walk around here as children of God, not acting like we're greater than what we really are. We're great, but we're great as children. Greatest children. Because I'm never more, uh, I'm never going to be less dependent upon this word of God. I will never move away from this. As Rachel was holding Jovi, there was a dependence that Jovi had upon her. Now, we know in adulthood, in different stages of life, there's more of an independence, but I will never become independent of this. If you ever become independent from the milk and because the Bible says this is milk, but it also becomes steak as you become more mature, but you will never become independent from the milk and the meat of this word. That's what a child is like. So look at your life right now. Number one, do you want to be great in God's kingdom? Do you have a heart to be great? The Bible says those who set their hearts on being overseers, leaders, elders, desire a noble task. You should see the church as a place for you to do great things for God as you depend on the Lord. And that should flow out into your life. So if we see you here and you're saying, I want to do great things for God, but you're not wanting to do great things on your job, then that's a, hip- that's a hypocrite by definition. But if you're here and you're going, man, I want to do great things for God, and we check your life and you're, you're doing great things on your job. And I'm not saying you have to get every sale and get every promotion. I'm just saying like you have a good reputation. Well, then that's, that's Christian living, man. That's the kind of Christians I want to hang around. I want to hang around Christians that want to take greatness out of the kingdom, receive it, you know, make a, make a withdrawal of it, and then bring greatness to the world. The greatest people you'll ever meet are those who are children of God, dependent upon the word of God. Let's go to verse 6. Verse 6 says, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now we see how serious Jesus is about us raising our children and not causing them to stumble. Now if you notice right here, every time you see the word stumble, I have in brackets the word sin. The reason why I did that, because the NIV uses the word stumble. I think sin is better. Older translations, and even more modern, more, I think, in sometimes accurate ways, uh, accurate translations like the ESV, the NASB, et cetera, have sin. So I don't want you to look at this like you just trip a child, and that's really bad. No, it's causing a child to sin. When you cause a child to sin, everybody get this. Look up at me, please. Jesus says it would be better for you to take a thousand pound rock, a millstone that would tread out grain as a horse was connected to it and walk in circles or an ox. It would be better for you to take a thousand pound piece of concrete, tie it around your neck, and go jump into the sea. Because you're already going to hell, that's a given. And hell will have degrees of punishment. So before you hurt a child, then face Jesus on judgment and go to hell with that degree of punishment, it would be better for you to kill yourself or to be killed in a judgmental way, like in a judicial way, the death penalty for someone to do it for you than for you to hurt a child. I don't know how else to interpret that. How else do you interpret it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea? How serious do you think Jesus takes us raising our children? So when you look at modern-day sex trafficking, it would be better for them in our world to blow their head off with a shotgun than to keep trafficking children. Because number one, they're already going to hell as sinners. And number two, to face God on Judgment Day with the sin of doing that to children will be worse for them in eternity. If you think hell is the same for everyone, you don't understand the Bible. There are degrees of punishment. Do I think it goes into Dante's Inferno, into different hot pokers on different levels and different things like that? No, not at all. Because in Dante's Inferno, demons are torturing. In hell, demons are being tortured. Do you understand that? You will be alone. You will not be tortured by other beings. You will be in a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. And so sometimes people make a differentiation between the temporary place of hell and then the lake of fire. Possibly hell could have torture, but then lake of fire is after judgment when the demons are sent there. So it might be good to clarify that. But we know for certain when you are in your final state, you will be by yourself and the degree of punishment that you have will be based upon what you did in this life. As well as those of us who inherit the kingdom of God, there's degrees of rewards, as we've talked about before, the 12 apostles have their names written on the 12 foundational stones of New Jerusalem, and they sit on thrones and will rule the world. They will be the, the supreme court of the kingdom to come. There's no way around that. You will bow your knee to Jesus. Every creature in heaven and earth will bow their knee to Jesus, and then all those who live upon this new world will serve the 12 apostles. Done. That's already happening. Choo choo. The train is coming, whether you like it or not. So then based on your works is then after that, after the, the disciples sitting on these thrones is where we'll be. Will you rule over a region? Will you be over a, um, a you know, Dunkin' Donut stand? You know, what will you be over in the kingdom? Okay, those are going to happen. And so Jesus is speaking very specifically here. He's pointing to children and he says, This is what it's like to be great in the kingdom of God. And then he says, Oh, and by the way, if you ever mess with these children, it would be better for you to take a thousand pound rock and go drown yourself in the sea right now. So, what is our heart for those who have hurt children? You may be here and you've done that either in physical abuse, verbal abuse. You may have at some point caused children to sin by selling drugs or doing things like that, giving them bad examples. You better repent today. Listen to me now. If you have sinned against children, you better repent today. And if you have broken the law against children, you might as well confess it today and go to the lockup and start serving your time. That's going to be the best thing for you. If you have any desire to go to heaven when you die, is everybody listening to me? So if you have abused children and you don't repent, you're going to hell and there's going to be a certain place in hell where you will be worse than those who did not do what you did. Take that very serious today. If you have done things that are not against the law, but you have looked back in your past and you could say, I did things against children I should not have done, you better repent right now. And if you can make restitution, if it's family, friends, or people you grew up with, call them today, say, please forgive me for bullying you, forgive me for making fun of you for going to church or being good when I was being bad, forgive me for kissing you, kissing cousins, those kind of stories, and I forced myself on you. You better make it right. Everybody, listen to me. Make it right. I cannot express to you how serious Jesus takes children in the kingdom of God and what we do with them. So repent, get right, talk to these up here if you need help with that. Get, go to jail if you need to. I'm telling you, you would rather serve. Listen to me, if you're a child molester, and if people listen to this by tape, and, and based on averages, there has to be some child molester listening to me right now. So listen to me. If you are a child molester, it would be better for you to serve a life sentence in jail or to be, uh, or to be uh, killed or you know, to be executed, and you know you can go to heaven forgiven for your wickedness than for you to go to hell in the way you're going to suffer in hell. Does everybody understand that? We love you enough in this church to tell you that. We love you enough to tell you it's better for you to go to jail, and I believe in the death penalty for child molesters. I'm telling you, I'll push the button on you. I would be right there and say, God forgives you. Thank you for confessing. Now prepare to meet him. I'm telling you, I'm just being very honest with you. I believe in a death penalty for things like that. And so you would be better off. I want to be very clear with this. I'm I'm, I'm staying here and I don't care how awkward it is. You would be better off going to jail the rest of your life because I don't think we have the death penalty in Illinois, right? (laughs) You know, you would be better to confess, go to jail, serve a life sentence, And go to heaven when you die. Because you're about ready to hear about how serious this is going to be about you going to heaven and so forth. And for you to go to heaven when you die, then to hide it now, to not confess it now, to not deal with it now. And some of you who might think to yourself, well, I'm just going to confess it to God. I'm not going to confess it to man. That don't count. Your confession must be to those you have done that wickedness to you have sinned against them, you have broken the law, for you to move forward, you must make that right. Now you say, pastor, what about these other crimes that I've done? I can relate. There's a lot of people that have committed crimes in here. Most of those have short statutes of limitations on them, so the law might be a little fuzzy on that, but I can tell you, hurting children in the statute of limitations needs to be followed. And I believe if someone wants to look it up for me, the statute of limitations for hurting a child, I'll at least give you that. Now verse 7 says, woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin, such things must come, but woe to the person from whom they come. So yeah, it's going to get wicked out here. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of hurt, a lot of abuse, but I want you to understand this. You will be punished based on that. So don't you think to yourself, well, everybody was doing it in my family, or somebody did it, you know, my, my dad did it to my, uh, my grandpa did it to my mom, and then now my mom's husband did it to me, and this is how it gets passed down to hell with that. Are you listening to me? I would rather you go hide at another shucking and jiving church and be told the truth here than for you never to be told the truth in your life. Like I said at the beginning of reading this, I don't know how else to interpret that to you. See, this is why most preachers don't want to preach verse by verse, because who wants to preach on talking about taking a stone and hanging it around your neck and dropping it into the Lake Michigan? Who wants to talk about that? That's not what you come to church for in a a mindset on Sunday. I mean, you get dressed up, you come with your family, come on, kids, let's go learn about how to love each other. Let's go learn how to, you know, keep the Ten Commandments. You don't want to hear about that. But that's verse by verse, Jesus' teaching. There's no way to skip that verse. And so we need to get this into our mind. Hurting children, hurting the innocent doing wicked things is a problem. Do you have the statute of limitations? How long? Um, Governor Bruce signed into law that eliminates statutes of limitations for all felony criminal sexual assault and sexual abuse crime. There you go. There is no statute of limitations because it is that serious. And I'm telling you, I have helped people go to jail, and I'll help you. I'm being being honest with you. I'll help you go to jail. I'll love you. We'll pray for you. We'll help that experience draw you closer to Jesus. But this church will not be a church that doesn't live by the laws of God. We will live by the laws of God here. And so when someone says, all you Christians are alike, you could say, oh, no, 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 no. There's at least a group of folks on 5405 West Diversity. They ain't like the rest. (laughs) Watch this video. Watch this live one that they put up. They're, they're not like the rest. They're not like Father Tom and Cardinal so-and-so. and They're not like Bishop so-and-so. No, 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 no. There's empty chairs there for a reason. Because until the right people come and fill those chairs with this kind of preaching, we're not going to have it any other way, in Jesus' name. And how many believe if there's anybody we should stand up for and to be this strong about it should be our children? There shouldn't even be like, oh, he's so mad at us. No, I am protecting our children. I am protecting the most innocent among us. And of course, everybody get this, of course, abortion is murder against your child. You better repent of abortion. If you think to yourself, because I've come to church, I've now sang a few songs, and now it's okay. No, you have to repent of murdering that child. Now, it wouldn't fit into this context because these were ones that were already out of the womb, but we know a child in the womb is just as valuable as a child outside the womb. If not, when you play Orby, what's the the game when you get into little balls and you hit each other? Is that Orby? Does anybody know what game I'm talking about? You've seen them on TV? I've been seeing them now in my neighborhood or around my area. Okay, so imagine you get into a little ball. Put up a picture of that. I think it's Orby's. No, Orbeez are the little things my kids play with, right? Those are the little things. What is the thing where you get into it and then you play soccer and you bump around? Bubble? Let's put, put up uh, bubble soccer. There you go. Help them out. Because if, if skin changes your worth, then that means when you put on the bubble thing, then you can be murdered. Okay? Because of if skin, if, if this little layer of skin or the, the, the difference between the womb and the child in the womb changes your value, that you're no longer valuable, then that means when people play the bubble game, you can murder them. So let's just be very honest with ourselves. We live in a wicked, wicked generation where children are being murdered, where now because life is so invaluable that these shootings happen all of the time, and I totally get it. Okay, so if you're only valuable until you're outside of skin or whatever, then you're not valuable inside of that ball. Does everybody get that? Your value is not determined by this amount of skin. The, the child inside the womb is still valuable, just like when you get inside of that, you're valuable. Okay, now I want everybody to get this. I understand. Let's just keep it real. I understand people who look like me do mass shootings, and people who look like you do gangs shootings. Right, If we want to talk minority versus white privilege, let's just be honest. But which which form of murder is acceptable before God? The crazy white person who kills 20 people in a mall or the Latin Latin kings and the G's and all of this? Which one is better? It's all wickedness. Are you listening to me? And where it comes from is a devaluing of human life. And both of them have been taught in their schools that they're nothing but goo through the zoo to you. So if it's not valuable here, it's not valuable out there. The mass shooter thinks you're not valuable. The gang member thinks you're not valuable. Listen, we had two African-American moms. Do you know where this happened? The two mamas that were a part of Moms Against Violence were on the south side in a safe space that they built for the neighborhood, and both of them got shot and killed. Did you hear about that? this is crazy. So I understand that all cultures can have their madness, but everybody get this to me. From white privilege to minority status in this country or to whatever is happening around the world and wars and all of that, unjust killing, other than for punishment or for self-defense against those coming against you, is murder and God will judge our nation for it and God will judge the nations of the world. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's go back to the notes, please. Yeah, so it's going to get crazy, the Bible says, but woe to that person from whom the craziness comes from. Now, watch how serious Jesus takes this illustration. Go to verse 8, please. And now expands it to every form of sin you can think of. Listen to what it says. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed, talking about eternal life, or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and to be thrown into what kind of fire? Eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away, it would be better for you to enter eternal life with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the what? Fire of hell. That's some serious stuff, isn't it? how much more plainer could he have made it? We cannot take the word of God lightly. Let's just get an understanding here. Disciples, chilling, good day. Everything's relaxed and they just want to know, hey Jesus, how can we be great in the kingdom? And then this is what comes out of it. He goes, hey, let's start with the kids. Here's the kids. Be like them. In other words, be dependent upon the Father like them. Be humble like them. And he'll explain this further. But it's like, don't pursue title. Pursue a towel. Like how Jesus didn't walk around pompously with his title. He went on his knees with a towel and washed the disciples' feet. How many know a towel is better? Be a servant. And then, since he's got the children up there, he's like, I might as well make another example here. By the way... If any of y'all hurt one of these children, it would be better for you to take a piece of concrete and go jump into the lake. And then let me just make this real clear here. If you are living a lifestyle of sin, it would be better for you to cut off parts of your body that cause you to sin than to go to hell with your whole body. Now, you might say, how literal are we to take it? I would say take it as literal as you fear hell if you say you can't stop sinning. Okay, if, you, you know, if people can do plastic surgery to go from Bruce Jenner to Bruce Ed or whatever his name is now, what is his name? Caitlin. If he, if he can play make-believe, then why not go to that same doctor and go, I'm having a problem with my right arm? Half kid, but you better take it serious. I better take this serious. If we are going to go to heaven and hell Based on how we respond to the word of God, and some of us are saying right now, I'm going to hell because I can't stop doing X, Y, and Z with X, Y, and Z part of my body. Do you see what Jesus is saying? That will not be an excuse. The person on judgment day who has had a problem with lust won't be able to say, well, you know, I just can never take my eyes off these pretty women. You know how it is. You know, they're so beautiful. I always look at them and undress them in my mind. You know, no, there'll be no excuse. There'll be no person on Judgment Day that will say, well, you know, I was born this way. I had same-sex attraction. You know, I, I wanted to do X, Y, and Z. Nope, no excuse. Nobody will be able to say, well, you know, you know when, I, when I would just see stuff and it was easy to take, I just grabbed it. Or, you know, when I could get away with a lie to advance myself, I would lie. And I just, you know, I just couldn't help it with the words coming out of my mouth. Jesus is telling us so seriously here that this is what it's going to look like. It's going to look like eternal fire, eternal punishment. And so we are to cut these things off that cause us to sin. And so if someone was here today going, man, I'm tempted to go look at child porn. You need to be as, as serious as Jesus is right here. You need to be willing to throw away your computer. You need to be willing to go to a counselor. You need to be willing to do whatever it takes before you do those actions. Or if someone says, man, I'm I'm tempted to go cheat on my wife. I'm tempted to go cheat on my husband. You need to be willing right now to confess that to your spouse. Say, here, put a tracker on my phone. Do whatever it takes to keep me accountable. You have to do... All that you can, the Bible is saying. Now, how do I believe transformation actually happens? Does it happen by us cutting off hands? Does it come from us cutting out eyes? No, the Bible says it comes from changing our thinking. So go to Romans chapter 12. It comes from changing our thinking. Everybody say, change your mind and your body will follow. But I want to be honest with you, if you're saying to yourself, man, I just don't know what to do about my my eyes and my ears with, well, and you need to go get some counseling at the very least. And let me also say this to you: when it comes to the person, you know, jumping off the bridge with the, the rock on their neck, I would say before you contemplate suicide, give your heart to Jesus. I mean, isn't there a better way than dying and going to hell? The salvation message we've been listening to is the better way. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and onward. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is His good, pleasing, and what? His good, pleasing, and what? Perfect, well brother, can you get the scriptures up there please? The Bible says offer your body as a living sacrifice. So do I have to cut it off? No, give it as a sacrifice. Every single one of us can offer our body right now as a sacrifice. There's the there's a the solution. Don't hurt children. Whatever urges you have, offer your body as a sacrifice. Any urge you have to sin against the Lord, offer your body as a as a sacrifice. And then guess what? The Bible says he'll change your mind. As you say, I will lay my body down. Everybody raise up your right hand. Let's, let's do this again. We've done this before in our church. Everybody raise up our right hand. Come on. Now put it down whenever you want. You decide when to put your hand down. See, that's your choice. There's your choice. Lay your body down at the feet of Jesus and say, it's all yours, Jesus. And then what's going to happen? You start, you're going you're to get tempted, aren't you? Because there's going to be temptation to do something against your body. But then what do you need to do? Let God change your mind now through his word, through prayer, through meditation. Look at it, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. How many saw it in their scripture? Did you? All right, let's stand up. Let's give it up for Jesus today. Come on, let's give it up. I know you guys are like, what time is it? But we're going to close out today. Come on, man, let's go. Let's go. Let's not... Let's not jump off into the sea with a millstone around our neck. Let's not have to cut off our limbs. Let's put our lives at the feet of Jesus Christ and and close out in prayer. Father, we thank you today. I thank you, Lord, that today your word can transform and change our lives. I pray that in all that we do, Jesus, we see you as your way. Altar workers, would you come, please? These altar workers are here right now to pray for anything that you would like to confess and get right before God. Because it doesn't matter what people think about you. You should be able to come up here and get prayer. No one's going to assume the worst. No one's going to think about it. But you need to come. If you need prayer for any sin, anything you're dealing with that's not right before God, come up now and show God you're serious about wanting to get rid of it. Because you can't make excuses and say, well, I tried and it didn't work. No, do it now. In the name of Jesus, as they're starting to come up to receive grace and prayer and forgiveness, Let's right now ask the Lord to protect us from violence in this city. Start to pray that the Lord will protect us from the wickedness of this generation. Yes, it's going to get more wicked. That is true. But it doesn't have to come through you. It doesn't have to come through your neighbor. Pray right now that we will resist evil. There is a spiritual battle in this city for the soul of the people to numb them to the wickedness of this world. So if you don't need prayer for this, why don't you start praying for the city right now? Jesus, forgive us, oh God. Forgive us of our violence. Forgive us of the gang violence. Forgive us, God, for the lack of respect for the police and the authority you place in this city. Forgive us, God, for corruption. Where those have authority, whether it be in the school system, whether it be in the government, forgive us of our corruption, oh God. So many of our politicians are corrupt. God, forgive us in the church for compromise. Forgive the Roman Catholic Church, forgive the Protestant Church, forgive God all these false religions who spread damnable lies to children. God, we don't want to see people jump off in the lake with a a rock around their neck. We don't want to see people with missing arms and eyes and feet. We want to see lives transformed. We want to see bodies laid at the cross of Jesus as a sacrifice. We lay down these bodies, and we ask you to change our minds. A few more moments. Pray through it, saints. Pray through it, saints. I'm giving you this extra time because I want us to pray our nation. Pray for what you see going on with these mass shooters. That these demons who lie to them will be exposed. That people will stop killing the innocent. Pray for there to be justice in our land. Pray for the courts to stop being corrupt. Jesus, you said that your house would be called a house of prayer for the nations. We lift up our nation to you, God. We ask you to change us, rearrange us. We can't do it without you, God. A few more moments. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for what you see going on in the, the city. Pray for the politicians. God, we ask you to end abortion. We ask you, God, to cleanse us from this wickedness, this vileness against your, your children, oh God, your creation. We pray against sex trafficking, wherever it hides, wherever it's at. Oh God, we pray against the evils of this world. We will not just sit back and take it. Pray for a unity. Come on, start praying for unity among brothers and sisters in this city, in this nation. That across denominational lines, good pastors will work together with good members that will help each other, that will be a voice. If all the supposed Christians in this city and nation voted, there would only be godly people in, vo- in office if we voted together. If we just laid down some guidelines. You know, we're not going to support... You know, uh, abortion, we're not going to support the demise of our family. We're going to vote for values. We're going to vote for freedom of speech and all this. Just think about that the Christians, we're going to be kind to to strangers. We're going to help regulate true immigration laws. We would settle these issues right now in the name of Jesus. If Christians would just vote with the conscience that God has given us a few more moments, a few more moments. We don't change because we don't believe God can do it. God's power has never changed. In this society, they even had children follow Roman soldiers as their sex slaves. This society was so corrupt that that even those in the highest offices were having incest. But yet Jesus was teaching us, these are the ways you live by. As a matter of fact, when we were starting our churches, we were known to go to the places that were illegal to take the children that would be forsaken Rome forbade you saving the children that they would throw into the rivers or to their garbage dumps and Christians would break those laws to go rescue those children we were known for that we were known for for caring and charity pray for that to come back again pray for the fear of God to enter into this land Oh, Jesus, before we go, God, we just lift up this nation to you. We lift up our lives. Cleanse us of our evil. Make it right in our hearts, oh God, so that we can live right. Some of you might be thinking to yourself, well, I would never hurt a child. But that's why Jesus went next and said, any sin that causes you to keep sinning that you don't think you can stop, you better take that serious because that can lead you to hell as well. I have friends tell me, I'm too busy You know, I can't go to church. And I ask him, what are you too busy doing? Well, I got the leg. I got this. I got Man, cut that off. It would be better for you to be a janitor, work five days a week, 40 hours a week at a school, and to live in a two-bedroom apartment with your family than to do all of this and go to hell. Come on, think about it, friends. How can you be too busy to live for Jesus? Do you think that's going to matter on Judgment Day? Jesus literally says it would have been better for you to cut off limbs. How much more so a job. How much more so something that you put before God. In the name of Jesus. I pray for wisdom in this place. I pray for the spirit of folly to leave. That we would stop acting so foolish. I pray for wisdom to come upon every hardworking, every family that wants to balance their life the right way. I pray for you to have wisdom. What do you need and what do you want? Know the differences in Jesus' name. I know your kids need food. They need shelter. But then they need to be in karate, ballet, gymnastics, soccer. Come on. Some of y'all don't even bring your kids to Wednesday church because they're in 20 other things. Karate won't save your child's soul. Cut that off before you let your children be raised by little Wayne and all of these other rappers. Come on, they're gonna find their hero somewhere. Let them find them in church. A few more moments, a few more moments. Jesus, start in my house. Cut off whatever doesn't belong from Netflix. Cut off whatever doesn't belong from Hulu. Cut off whatever doesn't belong in our sports and our hobbies. Cut out whatever doesn't belong in our budget, Jesus. Wherever we're wasting money, wherever we're wasting time, whatever things we're putting before you that we think are so important, Jesus, cut them out, Jesus. Come on, some of you got to cut them out. Cut them out in the name of Jesus. I didn't watch TV for over eight years. Some of you need to cut out that stuff. Cut off Facebook. Cut out social media. Cut off some of your friends, young people. Even older people cut out some of those friends. That guy at the bar is not your friend. He cheated on his wife and laughs about it. That's not your friend. Preach to him. And then cut him out in the name of Jesus. Cut her out if she's a gossip. In the name of Jesus. Come on, what's it worth to you? What's it worth to you serving God? What is it worth? We've already heard these stories, but I'll repeat them. He says it's it's like the pearl of great price where when you find it, you sell everything to get it. Hallelujah. Oh, it's like a treasure in a field. Once you stumble upon it, you'll do whatever you take to get it. Hallelujah. You might not have been ready to hear this today, but God knew what I was going to preach, and He brought you here for a reason. Cut it out. You will not go up to heaven with seashells by your retirement village and get away with it. I know we all think let's go to college, let's raise our kids, let's make our money, let's retire by Tampa, let's go to Tarpon Springs. God is not going to say on judgment day, well, of course I understood that was more important. Of course. Cut it out, cut it out, cut it out. Can you have both? Yes, but you better cut it out if, it, if it's causing you to sin and you don't know how to balance it. The bottom line is this. Before we go, saints, let's pray it out. God, help me to balance my life. And if I can't, teach me to cut things out. Come on, say it again. Jesus, help me to balance my life. And if I can't, Teach me to cut him out in the name of Jesus. We pray this over every person here because God, we fear you. You said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. So we fear you today. It's a tough message. I didn't get to get into the softer stuff. We ended here so we could pray. So Lord, now we ask that we'll go home, read the rest of it, be encouraged, but walk in the fear of the Lord. Walk in respect for you You couldn't have said it more serious. This is what heaven and hell is about. And you gave us a choice. We decide to lay down our lives for you and follow you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. I know it was tough, but you made it. You made it. God bless you.